Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper on AFR Talk. This is Bert Harper of Exploring Missions welcoming you to the program today. On Exploring Missions today, Jim Stanley interviews Mark Bearden, who helps churches develop an intercessory prayer ministry. Jesus called the temple a house of prayer. So today, we need to be a people of prayer. As you listen, I pray you will be encouraged to be that prayer warrior in God's kingdom. Good afternoon and welcome to Exploring Missions on American Family Radio. My guest today is Mark Bearden. Mark is with Revived Faith Prayer Conferences, and if I understood correctly, that is a uh, their covering is under Life Action Ministries. But for the purposes of the program, especially being exploring missions, we're going to talk to Mark a little about being a revivalist and how life is as an independent missionary. So, Mark, welcome to Exploring Missions. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, Mark, uh, we are currently at the beautiful facility of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina. And you're here this week as part of the One Cry Movement and the Fusion Conference. But your day job now is as a revivalist, and you are actually working with Revived Faith Prayer Conferences. Tell us what that means and how you do that. Well, for a lot of years, I traveled with Life Action Ministries going into churches and teaching revival truths. And uh, about eight years ago, God just kind of radically slowed my life down and out of necessity took me away for a time of uh, being with Him and preparing. And out of that grew a burden to teach the church to pray. And I realized that uh, prayer for most Christians has become a deeply frustrating thing when it should be a joyous thing. And most Christians feel like their prayer life is simply trying to convince God to do something he doesn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. And so through that, God just gave me the heart to go in to begin to teach what it means to pray by faith, what it means to just simply pray and have fellowship with God. And so he restructured what I do. I now go into churches for five sessions, usually five days, or and just teach on intercessory prayer and, and how that works. And and casting a vision to get the church praying. Now, when you say five days, is that with the church or just the church leaders? That's with the church. Okay. And so I have a booklet we pass out, and each night we go through a session, and I teach through Scripture on what it means to pray and what prayer looks like in Scripture and what are the principles of prayer. And, again, to cast a vision mm-hmm. that uh, your Christian life is never more effective than your prayer life. I was looking on Facebook and I saw your picture in the corner, and then I saw a beautiful family. Tell me about the mission field of your family. Well, I have Amy and I have been married for uh, coming up on 25 years, and uh, we traveled together for those years. Believe it or not, we lived in a fifth-wheel trailer for 
from most of our family life. I did not grow up with an ambition to live in a fifth wheel trailer. That was what God called us to. But we have five children, uh, two daughters who are the oldest. My oldest daughter is married and then three sons underneath. And uh, we traveled for years, as I said, in a trailer and then settled down into Texas in the last few years. Mm. So, At the conference, uh, talking about the Fusion Conference, there were four, princ- four questions that they asked everybody that was going to participate. Those four questions were, how would you describe what is happening in our nation and church? How do you see Christian leaders responding? What are some signs of hope? And why should ministry leaders gather and seek the Lord together in times like this? So thinking about that and and what you're going to do this week, how would you, and you can go beyond the answer that's in the pamphlet, that's fine, but how would you describe what's happening in our nation and church today? Are we coming back from apathy? You know, I would hope so. I, I think the problem is the desperation that arises after generation of generation of not seeing an authentic movement of God, uh, we still have this tendency to go to other sources and other programs and other emphasis, which often have good elements to them, but they pass. Every fad passes, and you're left again with this desperate need for God to move in His church in an authentic way, in a reviving way. And, And praise the Lord, I'm seeing some mercy drops here and there. Uh, God moving into to uh, services and moving into churches, but there's a great need, and and until the church sees its own need, uh, they don't typically turn to God. Let's say I'm planning my annual spring or fall revival. Yes, how can I schedule God to show up? Well, I, I don't know if I'd use the phrase schedule God to show up, but I understand what you're saying. You know, I think the biggest thing is the simple truth: you have not because you ask not. And I've been preparing for this conference by going through the first great awakening. And there is just the simple principle that they saw revival because they consistently asked God to send it. They believed he could, he would, and they needed it. And so they asked for it. And so when you set God's people praying, prayer brings a sense of expectation. Praying people are an expectant people, and expectant people are praying people. How do you build your congregation to become a praying people? How would a pastor do that? Yeah, I think that may be one of the hardest things a church does is develop a praying ministry. And what you'll find is there's usually a core group of people that God raises up that carry that burden. Mm -hmm. And as they set to praying, and then this very important, verbalizing the answers to prayer among the people, uh, the greatest motivation to prayer is answered prayer. And so when God's people see God answering prayer, this thought enters, you know, if God did that, maybe he could do fill in the blank. And so that begins to motivate a church. You know, there are a lot of churches that pray, but very few praying churches. Hmm. And um, that's, it usually just starts with a core that carry that burden. Jim Simbla, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, his church has developed into a praying church. And I think that yeah. was because that was one of the, the principles, one of the, the pillars, if you will, that he built the church on. So for folks that want to want to find out about that, Jim has a couple of great books out um, that I would recommend. But in your experience, moving past that, because they have a Tuesday night prayer meeting yes. that's just incredible, 
uh, and it's dedicated to prayer. They don't get in and gossip. They don't get in and, and as we in the South say, chew the fat. They get yeah. in and they get to praying. And they are an expectant people, so they see God showing up. What happens when God shows up and we as the church don't know how to respond? Well, I think God is sovereign, and and He is sovereign over our strengths and our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we're afraid to kind of give the blank check and say, God, fill it in. And so I... I I don't really worry about what will happen when God shows up. I think God will direct. Now, I, I do believe that we have to be very careful when God shows up that we don't, um, I guess the way I would put it is, claim the glory. There's an old saying that we love to give God the glory while we take the credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a tendency always, anytime God's moving, that men want to take credit for what God's doing. So I do think you have to be very sober in that. But I think when God shows up in a church, there is such a sudden sense of this is what we've longed for. This is what we've waited for. This is real. And you instinctively, if you're born again, know what's real. Mm -hmm. And just a sense of joy comes over God's people. I mean, the psalmist prayed, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in your name? And so that's one of the outcomings of revival is just that sense of joy. That's good stuff. We're talking with Mark Bearden this afternoon on exploring missions, and we are recording this from the Cove uh, during the Fusion Conference. So uh, some of this, you'll hear some background noise and things that you don't normally hear. That's what that is. Well, Mark, back to one of the questions that you, you answered for the conference itself how do you see Christian leaders responding? Are they reaching out more? They want to know more about revival? Yeah, you know, I probably have more pastors contacting me today than I've ever had who just want to know about revival, want to talk about revival, uh, want to talk about prayer, uh, are longing, again, for something real and authentic. And, you know, working the pastor, it's probably the hardest job there is. And you spend a lot of your life feeling like you're trying to paddle upstream. Mm-hmm. And so this longing to see God do what only God could do. You know, the founder of our ministry used to have a very simple prayer, and it was, Lord, would you hijack these meetings? Mm. And that's what I find pastors longing for, for God to move in in a way that is unmistakably God, that's not generated through human effort or manipulation or uh, any other form, but for God to actually move in. And so that longing, is that's the first step. And then that sets men praying. And ultimately, God says, call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things. Mm -hmm. And so it's when God's people begin to pray that God then responds to that prayer. A few minutes ago, you mentioned that you had had seen mercy drops Mm -hmm. starting to fall around the country. And one of the questions here are, what are some signs of hope? So... Would you expand some on some of those mercy drops and how you've seen God move? You know, I, I've seen, I have two good friends in pastorates right now who have had seasons where God showed up in their church in, in the last couple of years, uh, where people were in numbers, one to Christ, where services extended for hours upon hours just simply because people didn't want to leave. Uh, one good friend shared that they reached a point after several days of God moving where he said there were literally nobody in their church who had a need mm. financially because the giving, people were just calling the church, what, who's in need, where can I give? 
which is a beautiful thing. And, and it's just kind of the outflow of God working like that. I can remember being in a church in uh, New Mexico, and in the middle of a sermon, the conviction of God just growing so intense that, uh, you know, I don't know if this is normal or not, but I have this ability to speak and carry on a secondary conversation in the back right. of my head. I don't know if that's normal. <laughs> Spurgeon said he could carry on eight at once, but right. uh, in the back of my head, I was simply saying, God, what do I do here? What do I do? Because you're obviously taking over what's happening. And I just stopped and gave probably the most politically incorrect invitation I'd ever given. I just stopped and said, you know what? Some of you are hypocrites. You're just playing a game mm. and you need to go to the prayer room and acknowledge that. And the entire youth section in mass rolled out. And an hour later, we just sat and watched as God was working and the service just was still going, but under no one's control. God was just moving in his own way. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I had people coming up to me just saying, I had a man come up to me and say, God told me if I didn't repent of this issue, that I would suffer great consequences. I didn't say anything about that, but God had pointed that out to him. Yeah. So it's those moments that give you a taste and a hope that God is still there and, and God wants to move, move among his people. You mentioned the young people moving yes. in mass. For this generation, for the millennials, for mm-hmm. the next generation, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation ABC, yeah. you know. But as we look forward to that, these people are wanting something real. Yeah. How do we, the church, communicate the realness of Christ? You know, I think you communicate truth, but it is, it is the working of the Holy Spirit that communicates the realness of Christ. And, uh, you know, the simple prayer, you know, I mentioned about the prayer, Lord, hijack this service, but mm-hmm. every service we go into, there should be the prayer, God, would you, your spirit move in an unusual way? Would your spirit hijack what's going on? And uh, when that happens, I mean, that's, it is the movement of the Holy Spirit that brings to life uh, truth and helps us understand truth. And so again, you're back to you have not because you ask not. And a lot of times we go into services expecting nothing, so we're receiving nothing. And so we, when we're expectant, we're praying. Mm-hmm. And so when I go into church on a given Sunday morning in our church, before I'm ever there, I've asked God to speak to me specifically. I've asked God to speak to my children. You know, truth is not discovered, it's revealed. And so if God does not speak, they're not going to hear. Good day, and I hope you are having a good day. This is Bert Harper. You're listening to Exploring Missions with Jim Stanley. He is interviewing Mark Bearden at the Billy Graham Training Center at The Cove. As believers gathered together to pray and seek God for revival in America, we were wanting God to move in our country as He is moving in other countries today. And we're praying that we would experience His presence and His power that our country desperately needs. You, you mentioned a couple of times you have not because you ask not. Yeah. What about for when we ask and we ask amiss? How do, how do we get back to, the, to knowing how to communicate, how to pray to God? Um, I've always wanted to see the prayer of Jabez enacted in my life. I've always wanted to see some of these other things. Because I know for me, mm-hmm. one of the reasons the prayer of Jabez is not fulfilled 
is because the Lord knows that I probably wouldn't react like Jabez did. Hmm. You know, I'd, I'd probably retire tomorrow instead of meeting the needs of the congregants or meeting the needs of the community. And so um, how do we ask without asking amiss? How do we, how do we drill down and, and get to that yeah. question? You know, f- for the average Christian, and honestly, this is true in my own life, my tendency is that I don't pray until things get beyond my abilities. Mm-hmm. If I have the slightest ability through my connections, finances, whatever, to solve a problem, I will tend not to pray. The problem is then when I start praying, I don't know how to pray. And that's what James said. You have not because you ask not. Mm-hmm. You ask and receive not because you ask wrongly that you might consume it upon your own desires. So when we don't pray day to day about the little things, when the big things come, we don't know how to pray. And this may sound like an odd statement, but prayerlessness produces bad praying. And so we end up asking selfishly. And so what happens is God in his mercy and grace, what he'll do over time is reshape our praying to match his will. Mm. And you see that with Paul when he prayed for the thorn to be removed. Prayed three times. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but he prayed three times against the will of God. And then in the process, God changed his praying to, Father, glorify, magnify your strength and my weakness. And sometimes that takes time. And so God wants to answer prayer worse than we want prayer answered. So even when we're praying selfishly, God is at work to reconform our desires back into his. Hmm. We've talked about some of the signs of hope. Mm-hmm. We've talked about some of the mercy drops that you've experienced. And then we've, we've kind of drilled down into the question of, of have not because we ask not. And then sometimes we ask wrongly. And I, and I, I love the way you said that. And how you said that God will actually continue to shape us and mold us back into his will. Is, it, is that because we've simply opened the doors of communication that we become a praying people instead of a prayerless people? Yeah, I believe so. I, you know, I've told my kids for years, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And then his responsibility is he will make your path straight. And so it is God that, because of his love and commitment to us, who will always guide us. If our heart is to do what he wants, I tell my kids this, even if you veer off, he'll put you right back on the path. And unless your heart is rebellious and defiant to God, God will always guide you back, back in the way you need to be. And that's true in our prayer life. Uh, again, God wants that interaction. He wants that communication. And he is glorified when he answers prayer. And so he wants to answer prayer. So he'll work in the process so that when the answer comes, he gets the glory he deserves for it. You're listening to Exploring Missions on American Family Radio. Our guest is Mark Bearden. He is with Revived Faith Prayer Conferences, and he would be willing to come and help your church get ready for a revival and and maybe some of the the steps that you could take uh, as a local pastor and with your local church body. Mark, if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, Yeah, you can get in touch with me through Life Action Ministries, Mm lifeaction.org, or you can get in contact through revivedfaith.org. And uh, I travel throughout the year on my own, and just, again, my heart is just to teach the church to pray. And uh, one of the things I do is we set up for what we call Hymn Possibles. 
not impossibles, mm-hmm. but impossibles, to teach people to pray for five things that only God could accomplish in the next year. And uh, the purpose is that a year later, the church is filled with these answers to prayer that stir the people to pray. Mm. Well, I think that would kind of go along with with the last question that they posed at the Fusion Conference this week. Why should ministry leaders gather and seek the Lord together in times like this? In times like this, narrow that down for us a little bit, and then perhaps go ahead and say why it's important for leaders to be willing to do this, to be willing to set aside their own ego sometimes to simply ask for help. I think times like this, um, we're we're maybe, along with the mercy drops I see, we're maybe at the most tumultuous time in our nation I can ever remember, politically, socially, and racially in so many ways. And, And the great need is for the church to be on their knees right now. And I think it's important for men to gather together. One, because God says it's important. Uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Malachi 3.16, says that they that feared the Lord talked among themselves, and the Lord listened, and he wrote it down. God just enjoys when we talk about him. And, but secondly, because when men gather together, there's a sense of hope of, of the others you're doing battle with. I say men and women. And when you're with others that carry that common heart, and it, it's those communities that God typically historically has used for revival. Those who gather together, carry that burden, and then carry that burden back into their churches. And so God typically doesn't start revival with the whole. He starts with the part. And then that part goes back into the church, and through them, God uses them to raise up revival. So I think it's just essential uh, for men of God and women of God to meet together, to pray together to find hope and encouragement in, the, in what they're doing, and just sometimes to be able to breathe together for a while. Uh, it's a hard job, and only one in ten men in ministry tend to finish in ministry, so the need to get together is just essential. And when these leaders get together, it doesn't have to be along denominational lines, does it? No, not at all, not at all. I think the kindred heart and the kindred spirit may be the most important aspect, far more than the denomination. To, to have a group of people, as we have here during this week, who from all kinds of denominations, but they carry that same desire to see mm-hmm. Christ glorified through revival. Uh, I think that is far more important than the label you put on yourself. One of the neat things about this conference that I've noticed is on the name tags, there's no reverend, there's mm-hmm. no doctor, there's no mister, there's no miss. We yeah. are simply fellow believers gathering for and crying out for revival. That speaks to me that we really are all equal at the Mm -hmm. cross. How does that tie in to what you do and to the Great Commission itself? Well, I think the way that ties in is that, you know, there are only certain people who can preach and not everybody can sing, Mm -hmm. but everybody can pray. And the ministry of prayer and the ministry of intercession as a parent, as, as a church member, as part of a community, is offered to everybody. And so the, the idea that through my prayers, I can impact what's going on with a missionary on the other side of the world, and I can uh, strengthen that missionary through my praying, is, is an incredible privilege. 
and and ultimately when we stand before God, I, I think that we'll find that that had greater impact than many of the public things we did, where people got on their knees, they interceded, they prayed, and God did workings. You know, we see God may be doing ten thousand things, has been said. We see two of them, mm-hmm. and God was doing ten thousand things, and we didn't see them, but God knew about them as as He answered our prayers. This is the program Exploring Missions on American Family Radio. Our guest is Mark Bearden with Revived Faith Prayer Conferences. Mark, a little earlier, we were talking about you coming to to locations, to, to the local church, yes. and ministering to them. You mentioned some hymn possibles. Break a couple of those down for us uh, as we're coming up on the end of the show, because we want pastors to get what you have. You have an anointing for this ministry. So share some of those hymn possibles with us. Well, the idea is that as we're teaching the folks from Scripture how to pray and what intercessory prayer is about, is we want them to come up with five prayer requests over the next year things they're asking God for. Remember that kind of the the foundation of what I'm teaching is prayer is not about getting my will done in heaven. It's about getting God's will done on earth. So we want God to give us five things that we can begin to pray for that could not happen apart from his intervention, Mm -hmm. that only could happen him possible as opposed to impossible. So the goal of what I'm teaching is as the people are praying, and one of the things I pray is that God would wake them in the night to pray, and, and we'll often wake people up and say, I want you praying for this issue. I want you praying for this person. I want you asking God to do this. And then over the following months, as they verbalize, God answered this. And there was no way it could have been, happened but God. It's a strengthening thing for their own spiritual life, but also for the church. And the church begins to believe God answers prayer. Because I think down at the core Many churches don't really believe God does. They hope he does. They wish he would, and but they don't really believe he does. And so it's answered prayer that stirs praying within the church. Hmm. Mark, we mentioned a little earlier how folks could get in touch with you. How far in advance do they need to get in touch with you? How full is your calendar right now? You know, I, for whatever reason, I tend to book by season. And uh, so I'm usually booking one season in advance. If it's spring, I'm usually booking in the fall, fall mm-hmm. I'm booking for the spring. So uh, I have openings right now, and uh, I'd be glad if, if uh, their heart is for prayer and my heart is to be there, I'd be glad to be there. All right, and you can get in touch with Mark either through Life Action Ministries, that's lifeaction.org, or revivedfaith.org. And so either of those will put you in touch. And if you really want to see the great-looking family, go do a quick search on Facebook, and and you'll find Mark Bearden and his family who continue to walk this with him. Uh, This has been Exploring Missions on American Family Radio. I'm Bert Harper reminding you to make a list of five prayer concerns that you can begin to pray about and watch God work. May we remember Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thanks for listening to Exploring Missions, and may God help you share His love with someone who is in desperate need of His grace.